Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Where have you been? I was going to say, where have I been? <laughs> I think that's a question for you. Um, New Zealand. How was it? It was so amazing. It felt like it flew though. So I was gone for four days, Friday through to Monday. Um, and I went over with two of my best girlfriends to see another one of my best girlfriends who has recently had her first baby. First baby in our group, um, little Darcy. And she's such a sweetheart. She's so, so cute and so sweet. And I think because it was my first like really close friend who'd had a baby, I was really nervous that the baby wasn't going to like me. So I'm feeling really warm and fuzzy that the fact that she really liked me. I think that's all. I hate that when you pick up a baby and you're like, oh, it's so cute. And then it starts crying. You're like, oh, goodness, what did I do? Yeah. I honestly get the same feeling of puppies, though, or dogs. Like, I feel like if a dog doesn't like me, I feel like I've, I don't know, there's something wrong with me. You know, I don't know. What? No, like, you know how I feel like I'm really good with animals mm-hmm. and I, I like to say that I'm good with kids too. So mm-hmm. when a dog doesn't like you or like a baby cries when you're it's in your arms, you feel like you're not very good anymore. And I hate that feeling. I like feeling good with both babies and puppies. <laughs> I don't know. I, I relate the two a lot and I probably shouldn't. But um, no, it was really lovely. What would oh, you get up that's to? That's good. I finished my exam. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Mm. I am- Wasn't that before the weekend? Yeah, but it what just, did you do over I enjoyed the weekend? my weekend because I didn't have studies to do. Cool. It was the best feeling ever good. knowing that I didn't have to do anything. And even if I didn't do anything after work, mm-hmm. I just felt guilty that I wasn't studying. <laughs> so it was just no guilt. Amazing. It was so good. That's nice. And then two months and then we start again. But Or maybe one month, actually. I think this semester is the, the short break. I feel like you should know this by now. Isn't this your eighth year of uni? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll know next year. <laughs> anyway, I'm so happy I'm finished. And then what do we do on the weekend? Nothing. Just had some, did no housework. They're no the best study. weekends. It was great. When you absolutely do nothing and not even any housework, they're great weekends. It was very good. So what have we got coming up in this chat? Marika. We finally got Marika. We've been dying to have her on. So Marika mm. Day is our dietitian on our Keep It Cleaner program. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. She does so much research um, she, if anyone follows her, you'll understand mm. how much effort she puts into everything that she does. And she's very forward with her opinions on things, which I really like. She's not really scared to kind of be the myth buster in the industry, which we love. And that's why we love having her on our team. So this is the first time we're having her on. We are actually going to have her back on uh, for a bit of a career chat because this is a topic of conversation. And today's topics are diets and smart supermarket shopping because diet, I mean, that word has come up over so Mm. many years now um, and it changes like what's cool or what's the fad diet of the time changes so often and there's so much on social media these days so we wanted to talk a little bit about the diet culture with Marika but also supermarket shopping because it can be a very daunting procedure to have to go through especially if you're changing up (laughs) sounds like an operation (laughs) well sometimes (laughs) it can feel as stressful I would assume but um, yeah so we will have Marika back on so don't worry we will get her on and get her to do those three quick fire questions that we get every other guest to do Um, So we will probably be asking you guys for any career questions soon. But we hope you enjoy the chat. Good morning. Morning. It's not even the morning, it's the afternoon. And people could be listening to this at any time (laughs) of the day. Um, So thank you for joining us, Marika. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure. 
Um, so we are going to have you back on. I'm sure the listeners are so used to us by now going on about these three quick fire questions that never end up being very quick. We do want to put them forward to you one day, but I'm we nervous. actually um, <laughs> don't be. They're quite simple, really. They're not original at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to have you back on and talk a bit about your career and, and your personal life and everything. You're growing up. And that's when we're going to get you to do those questions. Amazing. But for now, before we get into today's chat, do you want to just give everyone a little bit of a background, um, a little bit of a career background before we um, get started? Yeah, Just so that they sure. know who they're listening from. Of course. Um, so I'm a dietitian and nutritionist and I obviously work with you guys at Kick. Um, but I guess I started in nutrition when I, well, after I was diagnosed with celiac disease, um, I found that after I was diagnosed and obviously the dietary changes that I had to make with that, it just sort of triggered my interest in nutrition. And I sort of thought and, and saw the results with myself and sort of thought if I can help people in this way, that would be amazing. And to be able to sort of share my experience um, around celiac disease and work with, you know, all the gastroenterology conditions and those sorts of things, um, then that would be amazing to be able to help others in that same way that I sort of felt that I was helped um, around that time. That's cool. And you're so good at what you do. I think that we love <laughs> you so much because you do so much research and you have a bit of a no bullshit. swearing. Oh my goodness. Mm. I was about I knew to say I that. didn't think you were gonna say it. <laughs> I was gonna so say I just jumped right in. HIT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Approach to nutrition, which is great, especially in the world of social media. Obviously we um, it's hard when you see people giving advice when they haven't done the proper research. So we love that you do it. Thank you. It so is, well. It's it's so hard to see some things, but um, yes. <laughs> I get through. <laughs> I have a punching bag at home. But <laughs> So today's chat is going to go into a few of these diets that we've heard of mm-hmm. over social media and over the very many years that diet culture has existed. Um, and then we're also going to go into supermarket shopping because it can be an overwhelming experience, particularly yeah. I find if you're going from someone who has just kind of eaten anything and whatever and then they're trying to either eat healthier or eat certain food groups or anything like that, um, how to read nutrition labels and all that sort of stuff. So that's what we're going to go into. But I think let's let's start with that, I think, because, I mean, there's a general rule of, you know, try and shop on the outskirts of the supermarket yeah. and, and less on the inside. But there's still obviously so many things that, great things that you can get on the inside. Exactly. They usually come in packets though. So let's talk about reading packaging and nutrition panels and ingredients and everything like that and the things that people might want to look out for. Yeah. So I think what you said is a really good point is that there is still some really good valuable foods that are within the aisle. So a lot of people sort of um, think that principle of shopping the outskirts of the supermarket Mm. is like the only principle (laughs) and that you've got to avoid all processed foods. Um, And firstly, like avoiding processed foods is pretty much impossible because every food is processed to some degree because processing can just be like cleaning, chopping, washing, those sorts of things. Like that's all a processing level or putting brown rice into a bag. Like that's a processing um, step of processing. So, you know, we can't avoid processed foods. And so what I always say with that is to make sure that we're trying to have more minimally processed foods Mm -hmm. rather than highly processed foods. Um, So when it comes to like reading labels and um, sort of shopping those aisles and looking at, you know, what can we do to make the best choice there? The first place that I suggest to go to with your nutrition label is to look at the ingredients list. Um, A lot of people will go to the nutrition information panel first, which is Mm. the like the table that you have on there. Like the calories and yeah, 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 exactly. And that's usually the first thing people go for is like calories and sugar. 
But I actually think that the first place that you should be going to is the ingredients list because you can't dictate what the Nutrition Information Panel is referring to if you actually don't know. Oh, we got a little bit of a frog there coming up. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, if you don't know what's in that product, then looking at the Nutrition Information Panel is only going to give you so much information. So I think that that's the first step is to to go to the ingredients Mm -hmm. list there. And what about the Health Star rating? Because a lot of people shop by the Health Star yeah, rating, they really but trust it. it's so confusing and I hope they change it because even something like eggs is a three-star rating, yes. which makes no sense. Yes. <laughs> and then some processed foods actually get a five-star rating. I know. it's uh, So apparently, last time I posted about this on social media, somebody contacted me, I can't remember who it was now, and said apparently it's under review and it's changing at this point yes. in time, which is a good thing. That's good. Um. But yeah, I agree. It's very confusing in that some foods, like I think, like like the Milo breakfast cereal and um, or like even Milo up and itself, go, up and go, up and go goes, five yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those foods that are five stars that are not necessarily you know incredibly healthy foods, and then you've got your plain foods, so like your milk, your eggs, those sorts of things that are not getting as high stars. So I think again, you've got to put it in the context of it was created for like processed foods Mm -hmm. so sometimes those like whole foods don't come out as good on it because it was actually created for processed foods so it makes it confusing there I don't think that you should be relying on it Mm. um it's uh, yeah I don't love it the system um I don't want to say too many bad things about it because apparently it is under review and maybe it will be better Mm. when it comes out but at this point in time I don't think it's fantastic maybe it helps people choose slightly better for some things I again I haven't seen Mm. the data around Mm. whether it's actually made a difference in people's choosing better foods um as a result of it uh because essentially you can bump the, your star rating up by throwing in vitamins and minerals into mm, yes. like a sugary breakfast cereal. Yeah. I think <laughs> when we've tried to, with our, some of our bars, uh, most of them are around four to 4.5 stars. But the reason we haven't been able to get to five is because you need to have a certain amount of fiber, carbohydrates. Yeah, There's like all of these of criteria that you yeah. need to have. And just like, for example, with eggs, it might have protein, but it doesn't have any carbohydrates. So that's yeah. why it might not have the five star. But I suppose it is a little bit of an indicator for things like maybe a packet of chips is obviously going to have maybe a one star. And that's, yeah. I suppose, a good in- indication. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, again, if you looked at, like, a packet of rolled oats, I think they come out at, at five-star, whereas, like, a Nutri-Grain might be, like, four-star. Again, I wouldn't say it's for four-star mm. breakfast cereal and yeah. Nutri-Grain, but I guess if you compared it to rolled oats, then, yeah, again, it doesn't justify one-star different. There should be, like, at least a couple of stars difference mm-hmm. between rolled oats and Nutri-Grain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not loving it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not loving it. So we think, and I suppose it doesn't take into account really the ingredients yeah. because it's just about what level of each. Yeah, it's yeah. basically focused on the nutritional panel instead of the ingredients. So yeah. with the ingredients, what should we look out for? Yes. So first thing to know about the ingredients list is that it goes in ascending order. So the first ingredient on your ingredients list is the one that is found in the highest concentration. Mm-hmm. So what I always suggest is that you don't want like sugar or like <laughs> Foods that you have no idea what they are. It'd be the um, first couple yeah, of ingredients. As your first, like one or two ingredients mm. there. Um, so you want, obviously, what it is that you think that you're buying mm-hmm. to be the first ingredient, <laughs> yeah. hopefully. So if yeah. you're buying something like a breakfast cereal, you want, like, you know, your oats or whatever it is to be, be your number majority. one ingredient. Or almond butter. I know that's one yes. that struck me before I bought one and it. I didn't read it. It said almond spread. Mm. And I took it home and almonds was like the last ingredient. Yeah. It was mainly just vegetable oil. But I didn't read it, and yeah. that's why. I've seen that exact product as well, and I yeah. was just like, wow. 
<laughs> That's not even almond butter. Um, yeah, so looking out that the the thing that you think that you're buying is the number one ingredient on there and that um, any like sugars and those sorts of things, if they are there, that they're lower mm-hmm. down the ingredients list. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I always suggest is look for small ingredients list. Like if the ingredients list is like... 50 ingredients long, (laughs) you've got to be questioning like what is it that you're buying and that sounds like it's a highly processed food because most whole foods are a couple of ingredients. Mm. Like that's the whole point of whole foods is Mm -hmm. that they are what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably the number one thing is to look at what is the first couple of ingredients on there. Um, Make sure like your additives, like your sugars and all of those sorts of things are either not on there or very far down the ingredients list as well. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it just says organic because I feel like sometimes it's like healthy something, homemade something, and it says like raw sugar, organic sugar, but it's still still sugar. My (laughs) my favourite one was um, a cookie that was like refined sugar-free or whatever it was, and it was uh, dehydrated organic dehydrated cane juice. Like, <laughs> it's sugar. That's sugar. The juice, like, form. The juice from a yeah. cane is like cane sugar. Yeah. So like they they use sneaky. really like sneaky words to try and um yeah fool people into yeah. thinking that it's something better. And like when it comes to sugar, like there's so many different words mm. that can be used. Mm-hmm. And my sort of philosophy when it comes to sugar is that sugar is sugar mm-hmm. regardless of where, you know, where it comes from. Obviously in fruit and everything, you've got fibre and whatnot that changes the way that it you know plays within your body and is absorbed and everything. But when it comes to like sugar, like maple syrup versus honey versus mm-hmm. cane sugar versus coconut sugar, mm-hmm. they all act very similarly in your body. Mm-hmm. So any of those I say need to be either off the ingredients list mm-hmm. or a Low. very minimal ingredient on there. So then... Going from the ingredients list to the nutritional panel. Yes. That bar of information with all those numbers and (laughs) serving sizes and all of that stuff. How can someone kind of, like, what are the numbers that they're looking out for that might be a bit of a red flag? And navigation through it. Yeah. So, again, it comes down to, like, what you're wanting to get out of the product, I guess, and what your reason for looking at that is because... I would say sometimes you don't even need to look... Like, if you're looking at the ingredients list, then... Oh, like, if you're buying a chocolate bar, don't bother looking at the ingredients list. Yeah, or, like, list. even, like, like, you know, like a pack of rice <laughs> you know or something get. like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just check What's that it's rice. rice. Like, yeah. and you don't need to really look much further into, yeah. you know, what... You know, how many calories or carbs mm-hmm. or whatever it is, unless you, you know, want to for educational purposes. You don't need to every time you go to the shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess when you look at the information panel then, so there's a few things that you can look at is firstly the serving size mm-hmm. that you said. Um, and the reason for that is because what you think might be a standard serving size could be very different to what your portion size is. Mm-hmm. So have a look at the difference between what you serve yourself versus mm-hmm. what they're saying is their typical serving size. Mm-hmm. My favourite example of this is there is a um, like a yogurt chocolate mousse thing. I don't know if it's still available. It was around a couple of years ago. And the serving size on it. So when you look at the nutrition information panel, it's like, oh, this is a chocolate mousse and it's not even that bad. Mm. Like it's pretty low calorie. Mm. The serving size was one tablespoon. (gasps) Was it just in a little, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like in a little yogurt container that you would think is for one person. person. But what's it got 10 serves? It's like 10 serves or something. Okay. So you have to look at that. Yeah. So look at the serving size because that's what you're going to be looking at then for your information on it. So Mm -hmm. if you, a serving size is one tablespoon Mm. and you're looking at, okay, well, it's got this many calories, this much sugar, but you eat 10 serves, (laughs) you're not getting the right information that you wanted from that. Um, so, yeah, serving size first. Um, if you want to look at the calories, then feel free to have a look at the calories. I think an important point around the calories is to note that 
low calorie doesn't necessarily mean better Mm. Um, and we need calories to survive like Mm -hmm. a lot of people Mm -hmm. always are telling me you know oh what's a low calorie option for that it's like at the end of the day Mm. you still need calories Mm. like you can't just keep (laughs) cutting calories Mm -hmm. and choose the low calorie option for everything because you still need to consume adequate Mm -hmm. calories Mm -hmm. Um, then I guess the the big things that I would be looking out for on the information panel is um, I like to look out for protein because I like to Mm -hmm. eat a relatively high protein Mm -hmm. diet um, why is that? Just for <laughs> general, I feel fuller um, on okay. a uh, high high protein diet. Yep. Um, so I try and include some sort of protein at most of my meals. So I typically will look at a, a protein um, levels, the grams of protein in a product that I'm buying. Um, but yeah, no particular reason. It just makes me feel fuller. Um, I train regularly. I was say, you live yeah. a very active lifestyle. So. Yeah. Is that quite a general principle that protein to look out for protein because it does keep you fuller. So if you're going to have like a yogurt that might have just sugar in it mm. compared to one with, they might have the same calories, but one has more protein and one has more sugar. Yeah. The one with protein will keep you fuller for longer. But p- potentially, theoretically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether it actually does that or not, like in person to person, there's going to be variations mm-hmm, in like mm-hmm. your hunger and fullness as well. So um, but yeah, th- in theory, theory yes. Um, the other thing I look out for being gut focused is mm-hmm. fiber. So yes. I all, like that's pretty much the number one thing I go to on a information panel. Obviously, not all products are going to have fiber. Like an egg is not going to have fiber <laughs> in it, and that's fine. Um, but anything that's got like a grain in it, I'm always then looking for like how much fiber is in it because to me, then that's an indication of it being like a whole grain product mm-hmm. versus a refined grain product. Um, and then sugar is the other one that I look out for. My sort of advisory around the sugar on here is to then relay it back to the um, ingredients list because some foods will have naturally containing sugars in them. And so when you look at the um, on the nutrition information panel, it will say, you know, how many grams of sugars, then you look back to the ingredients list and you don't see added sugar on mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. then you can sort of confirm to yourself that, okay, well, it's not through added okay. sugars, it's fruit through the something. fruit or like through the lactose in the yogurt or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, it's not through added sugars. Um, I think that's a really important point for people to sort of take away is to be able to then look, when you see that number of the sugars is to then refer back to the ingredients list and see, okay, well, where is that sugar coming from? So you can make then an informed choice about what you want to Mm -hmm. do in terms of purchasing or not purchasing that product. With fibre, I feel like it's not a cool thing on social media. I I find that like it's so much about eat a high protein diet and all these things, but no one (laughs) really talks about, yeah, and like, you know, drink kombucha and sauerkraut and all those things for your gut health. But no one really talks about fiber. I know. Why do we need fiber for our gut? You need fiber for so many reasons. Mm. Um, So fiber helps keep us regular uh, in terms of going to the bathroom, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) pooping. so very important for that, but it is feeding our microbiome. So the um, bacteria within our gut that it provides us with so many health benefits mm. and effects throughout an entire body, fiber is the fuel for our bacteria. So if we're not getting enough fiber, we're actually not feeding our microbiome. So I find it really funny that fiber is not talked about mm. all that much mm. when it is like the key to a healthy gut. Yep. It's like the number one thing. And, you know, there's so many, like, gut health remedies and all of this sort of stuff around. It's like, dude, just eat your fruit and veggies and your whole grains and those sorts of things. Like, that's that's how you – that's the key to a healthy gut is by doing that. Oh, for so look sure. out for fi- and we actually have a whole podcast coming with Marika on gut health, which is so exciting. But just for this, the purpose of this conversation, so fiber is important. 
100%. On nutritional panels. What about things like red flags, things to avoid? Yeah, so um, in terms of things to avoid, I guess it comes down to the frequency that you're consuming the product as well. And that's something that I'm very much about balance. And I think you girls know that is that if if there's a food, like there's there's nothing that I say that is an alarming thing to completely avoid. It's about if you're consuming foods frequently, for example, like we said before, like, you know, foods that have huge long ingredients lists mm. mm-hmm. or like lots of sugars or lots of... Um, uh, like additives and processed sort of ingredients on there, you know, don't have them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. They might be something that you have from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess an exception to something that is probably, and again, we don't really see it much in our diet here, is trans fats. Um, we Australia's pretty fortunate in that they're pretty much non-existent within our um, food supply at the moment, which is which is really That's good. That's awesome. I didn't know mm. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Australia's got really quite strict regulations around that. So um, they're almost gone. Um, in terms of like strictly things that I would avoid, there's nothing that I would say if you see that on an ingredients list, like throw it in the bin. There's <laughs> sort of, yeah, there's nothing that I would, some of the things that really sort of like make me question is like when you see like all of like the artificial sweeteners, like, mm. you know, 40 different types and everything. All the like different numbers. That. Numbers, yeah, all of that sort of stuff is because we just don't really know a lot about mm. the effects that that has, in particular with the gut microbiome as well. We don't know much about it. We don't know that it's harmful, but we also don't know that it's helpful and it's it's all up a bit in the air at the moment and it's so unnecessary, so unnecessary. And sometimes if I eat something and I don't know it has an artificial sweetener in it, my tummy literally goes like I'm fully pregnant and it goes, but it goes rock hard. Yeah. Like not like normal bloating. It just hurts so much. And then I'll go and look at what I've eaten and I'm like, oh, it had something like malitol or sorbitol in it yeah. or something. Yeah. The like protein <laughs> bars are notorious for that. Like protein yes. ice creams and those sorts of things are notorious for that. Um, I had a friend who had one of the protein ice creams recently and she said that she was literally on the bathroom for like hours oh afterwards. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's what those sweeteners do to some people. But yeah, it's also those call-outs. It's like it's it's back to reading the packaging of people write organic or like um, you know the words homemade. healthy or homemade or yeah. like all this sort of stuff on packaging. Um, you can walk through the sports and diet aisle, and to a naked eye, you might think like, oh well, this must all be healthy because it's in this aisle. It's the yeah. same as the gluten-free hmm. aisle, um, but it's not necessarily. Yeah. So it's good that you've gone over that. And I think that like the big one at the moment is because I, I feel like the low fat, high fat, everyone sort of like knows about that now and sort of aware when you see that. Do you want to touch on that for those who like don't understand? Because I know that it's probably more so the generations before us that, mm. you know, having a really low fat diet was a yeah. really big thing. Yes. Yeah. Why have we gone away from that and like even tested high fat diets and everything? Like what what is the difference? Yeah. So, I mean, fats are part of a healthy diet essentially yeah. is that we need them to function properly. Mm-hmm. And um, I th- think that the, it came from the theory that, you know, having a high saturated fat diet was, you know, leading to increases in cardiovascular disease and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so what happened is that they had a massive like flip in that where they said, okay, well, the, the obvious solution is to go a low fat diet, but not looking at like the actual like quality of the fats that they were consuming. Mm-hmm. And what we now know is that having a good amount of healthy fats within mm. the diet is actually protective in terms of cardiovascular mm. disease. Um, the other thing is that fats are quite calorie dense as well. Yeah. So it's easy to overconsume calories, like have a higher energy diet when you're consuming lots and lots of fats. And so that was sort of another reason why people would avoid 
um, having lots and lots of fats. But what happened, you know, and this was sort of in the 80s, 90s, Mm. sort of maybe even before, uh, but what happened was that they sort of reduced all these like companies and everything were starting to reduce Mm. their fat and what they would do is just replace it with sugar to make it... Tastes mm. good, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that's sort of changing now, and because of the the fear is now flipped to sugar as opposed to fat, which mm. it was before. Um, which again, like we shouldn't be demonising one food. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, I think that's where that's sort of come from. It, it doesn't mean you know a label on a product of low fat or high fat doesn't mean it's a good One's or a bad product. That, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what I was saying was before is it, I think that the the new version of that is high protein. Mm. Like mm-hmm. if a product says high protein, it's sort of like immediately put in this class of like health halo. Yep. <laughs> but it might have so much sugar yeah. and other Random things additives. in it. Exactly. Yeah. All the additives and like like just artificial like proteins and everything like that um, in there. So I think that's the the new one to sort of be wary of. And I, I it even caught my attention. I was in the supermarket the other day and I saw, I forget what it was. It was maybe a yogurt or something like that. It was like high protein. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And I was like. Hang on, Marika. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't get too excited. <laughs> Tricking the master. Yeah. <laughs> so talking back on the gluten, gluten-free as a label as well. Yeah. Um, I think there was a misconception that people who weren't celiac or didn't actually have any intolerances at all, no digestive issues whatsoever, thought that flipping to a gluten-free diet was a healthier option. Mm. It's not always the case. Obviously, there's a lot of highly processed gluten-free products out there. (laughs) Um, Well, what do you think about, like, people who don't necessarily have a sensitivity to gluten, should they continue eating gluten? Yeah, absolutely. And so what um, the the research is even showing around, like, a healthy gut and everything is that the more variety you have in terms of um, fibre types and whole grains, the more diverse your microbiome is. So including things like rye and barley and wheat in their whole grain form is actually beneficial for us as well, obviously provided that you're not celiac or have gluten sensitivities and and whatnot. Um, Including it within a healthy diet is Mm. actually a really good thing to do and, Mm. um, you know, something that I would encourage people to do if they can do again if it doesn't make you feel good then feel free to reduce it or cut it out but there's no need to fear gluten Mm. good what about keto because keto is high that's a high fat one isn't it yeah yeah um so keto like keto is like a ketogenic diet um and it's like extreme high fat Mm. so it's i think it's like 80 or 90 percent of your calories from fat Mm. um it's relative like true keto is low protein and very low carb. I don't recommend it because it is so extreme. It mm. is so hard to follow this, to do it properly. And it's so unnecessary and so challenging to get in fiber. Like, and I'm so passionate mm. about fiber. You can't really get in enough fiber or a good variety of fiber types on a ketogenic diet because you can't have like starchy veggies, whole grains. Even things like broccoli. I I know when I researched it, it was like you can only have a tiny bit of broccoli a day because broccoli has carbohydrates. I was like, what? I was going to say, I feel like if, because I I was kind of like, oh, Laura doesn't really eat too many kind of like whole grain carbs or whatever and um, probably a little bit lower on protein, but you do have a high fat diet. But then as soon as you just said something about broccoli, I was like, okay, no, that's definitely not what (laughs) the diet that you follow. (laughs) So I think that people get confused with like a low carb diet, a moderate carb diet, a high carb diet, and then a keto diet. Keto is another level, isn't it? It's like another level. And the only sort of evidence around keto being effective is in epilepsy in children or maybe even in adults as well. I don't know about that. But it's something that you do with a health professional Mm. 
for a specific medical condition. Mm, right. It's not something that should be done um, for general health. And that's not to say that like some people perform better on a low carbohydrate diet. Absolutely. But keto is like another level from yeah. that. Because another question that kept coming up, and I might actually read this one out. Um, actually, which one was it? It's Okay. So this was just one of the questions, but there was quite a few on, you know, veganism or mm-hmm. vegetarian and choosing it as a diet option to be healthier. Yeah. Um, so this particular one was what it, this is from Claudine. Thank you. There's any question in. Um, mm-hmm. What are your views on the correlation between meat consumption, particularly red meat and diabetes and cardiovascular disease? Would you write a plant-based? Oh, so then she asked if we would ever do a plant-based diet for kick, which is something that we're definitely um, considering and working on for the future, girls, just so you know. But, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts, Marika, on I suppose everyone obviously has their own reasons of going vegetarian or vegan and if it's um, for eth- ethical reasons or whatever, mm. then that's like obviously totally fine. But if it's purely because they have been told that it's healthier yeah. for them, like what, what are your kind of thoughts behind that? Yeah, so I would agree that a plant-based diet is the healthiest and best way to eat, mm-hmm. but a definition of a plant-based diet is a diet that's based around plants. It's mm-hmm. not a diet that is only plants. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think that the definition is sort of getting confused a bit on social media at the moment is mm-hmm. that plant-based doesn't mean only plants. Yep. Um, so on that note, yes, absolutely plant-based is 100% the best way to eat, but you can include some animal protein in yep. that. When it comes to – so yeah, there's obviously reasons why people have yeah. a vegan diet and that's totally fine. Like mm-hmm. I completely support people for being vegan and mm-hmm. like it's an amazing feat that they're mm-hmm. doing and mm-hmm. for the environment and animals and everything like that. Um, but you don't have to be vegan mm-hmm. or vegetarian for that matter mm-hmm. to be healthy. You yep. can absolutely eat a healthy diet and include small amounts of animal products on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the research is sort of showing is that, yes, including lots and lots of plants and in particular like the plant proteins, so mm-hmm. things like um, your legumes and yep. lentils and those sorts of things on a regular basis is so good for us and does reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. But having small amounts of animal protein with that um, and in particular, like fish is one that's been shown mm-hmm. to be incredibly beneficial mm-hmm. here, is that it actually can even support a healthy diet. Mm. Um, and that's where I sort of stand with it is that you absolutely don't need to go vegan or way. vegetarian yep. to be healthy and you can actually have uh, – well, you can have good health with both. So you mm. can can be a vegan and have a really healthy diet, a mm. really healthy life. Mm. Um, you can be vegan and also be very unhealthy as well. Yeah, You can be – animal like have a lot of like a higher animal load diet and still be healthy um or you can have no animal products and still be healthy yeah yeah but i think that the 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 main point is that the more plants you include the better yeah essentially yeah and then sophie asked um back on veganism or vegetarian how to keep everything balanced um so that she's still getting in her protein correct vitamins and everything if they're removing meat from their diet yeah, so again, it, it's totally possible to do it, but it does require planning. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a challenge for a lot of people when mm. they do like switch to a vegan diet is that they don't actually think through um, or seek out help to get a balanced diet. They sort of just think, okay, well, I'm just going to cut out all my animal products yeah. and just sort of keep eating the same but without the animal mm. products and not planning, okay, well, how am I going to get in my iron, my protein, my B12, all those sorts of things that become excluded, excluded or reduced um, when you go vegan or vegetarian. 
So I think that that's sort of a, a big key there is to um, start to learn and even seek out help from like health professionals mm. if you feel like you need to in order to supplement the diet. And by supplement, I mean, you know, eating other foods. Mm. Um, in the case of veganism, you do need to take a B12 supplement. And for me, that's sort of like, I guess when I think about that is if you have to take a B12 supplement, like it makes me question like how much, how normal is that mm. of a diet? Like that we have to be supplementing with like a, not artificial supplement, but you know, like a, a something, something to not add, from food. Yeah. To add to the diet. Um, in terms of protein though, like things like legumes and lentils are fantastic. Mm. Um, tofu, those sorts of things, like they're really good sources of iron and protein. So including those on a regular basis, if you're vegan or vegetarian, mm. um, is obviously very, very important for those nutrients. Uh, but if you're struggling with it, then vegan health professionals help with it. What about milk? So we have got a question here from Olivia who asks, what are your thoughts on regular milk versus almond and soy? And I know this is something that we talk about a lot (laughs) and you have great thoughts on it. Um, I feel like this is more controversial than like a vegan like Mm. talk or anything. Like I feel like it's like the most controversial thing in like nutrition is dairy. Mm. And I don't know why. It's like, it's just dairy. Um, (laughs) It's kind of, it's almost like the, um, we talk about for the fat and the sugar with the fear tactic. Like people yeah. used to be scared of fat and now they're scared of sugar. And I feel like yeah, a lot, of yeah, dairy is a really big fear thing. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly think it is the one of the most controversial topics in nutrition at this point mm. in time. I think it has come from the veganism though. Yes, It's come I agree. from that yeah. direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of dairy is not inherently bad. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. There is the, a lot of bad research out there that people are throwing around to try and prove their points around dairy. I am not pro-dairy or I'm not anti-dairy. Like I sort of sit on the fence with it. If you want to have it, great. If you mm-hmm. don't want to have it, that's cool as mm-hmm. well. Like mm-hmm. you do you. Um, so I'm not coming from a standpoint of I have no like vested interest in whether mm-hmm. <laughs> people like consume it or mm-hmm. don't. But when you look at, like if we go back to nutrition information panel, when you look at a nutrition information panel or ingredients list of a like full cream milk versus an almond milk, the full cream milk, the only ingredient in there is full cream milk yeah. mm-hmm. and maybe vitamin D if they've added vitamin D into it, but most of them don't. Um, the ingredients list on an almond milk can be like up to 10 ingredients long and have like 2% almonds or yeah. less. Oh, yeah. 1.5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so again, I'm asking like how natural, like how, if we're thinking about whole foods, mm. what is the whole food here? Mm. Um the other thing is that the dairy milk comes naturally with the vitamins, minerals and mm-hmm. those sorts of things in it. So it is quite a rich um, rich in B vitamins, rich in calcium, whereas your almond milk, again, it's typically only 1% or 2% almonds, so mm. you're really just drinking water with mm-hmm. a bit of almond in it and hopefully they've fortified it with some other like vitamins and minerals so at least you're getting some benefit from it. Um, but a lot of the time that they're not. So... When I look like at the panels, mm. I'm like the full cream cow's milk is a more nutritious product. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't want to have dairy, that's fine. Again, like there's obviously ethical reasons and whatnot why people don't have dairy. Mm-hmm. But the fear around dairy is so unsubstantiated mm. that it's just ridiculous. I remember like a few years ago when I used to watch all these YouTube videos there's YouTube videos that are literally named dairy ruined my skin. This is how you cure it. And it's kind of just like a, you know, an 18 to 20 year old or someone that, you know, just decided that it didn't work for them. And then yeah. they're, they're telling people that 
it's bad. I yeah. mean, I've heard that though is extremely. I've heard that as a common thread mm. though that a lot. Even a lot of my friends have found cutting dairy lower help them with skin issues. But exactly right. Like I don't think any particular thing works for everybody. Yes. You know, you can have yeah. bad skin for so many more reasons than what you're consuming. Yeah. And, and on that note, like there is um, some people do find that dairy does mm-hmm. sort of inflame their skin, mm-hmm. but it, like like I said, it's actually not everyone and the research mm-hmm. supports that. Exactly. In that it says that it's, it's should, quite yeah. mixed, that some people will find that dairy does worse than acne. Other people find it has absolutely no effect on them whatsoever. Yeah, I have a very high dairy diet. <laughs> Skin's fine. So. Yeah, and even me, when I was born, I was lactose intolerant. Yeah. I had so many allergies as a kid, but I've grown yeah. out of that. Um, but I was fully allergic to lactose. Dairy. Yeah, lactose, And yeah. then I now I can't have a lot of it, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's not as extreme as when I was a little kid. Yeah. I, I like... I just find it so controversial the mm. whole dairy thing, and I just I just think it's so unsubstantiated yeah. that it's it's just milk. Yeah, mm. it's not. You sound like them ad. Just milk. <laughs> just want milk that tastes like, like full cream milk. milk. Yeah. <laughs> but it just goes back to what we we always talk about, especially with Keep It Cleaner, is it's all about balance and moderation, and yeah. what works for someone else is not going to work for you so just yeah. because someone on youtube cut it out and it changed their life yes. your body is so different and we're all so different and i think it's so important to remember that yeah exactly exactly and i think my message there would be just remove the fear around it and mm. then do what is best for you don't fear something because you know someone on youtube has told you that you should fear it mm. um and i guess the other thing is like netflix has become like a really big place for mm. yeah. information around this and i think what you've got to do is with a lot of those documentaries on Netflix is to take them with a grain of salt because they're... They're biased opinions. Exactly. That's and who exactly. for them? Sorry. Isn't it really common that with some documentaries they're sponsored or funded yeah. by a certain industry? industry yeah. But they're created by... Like if, if it, they're if trying to show a point. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's like if a meat eater industry produced a, um, a, doc, a documentary. Obviously, they would put out all of the positives yeah. to eating a meat diet and whatever. And, and all of the... No, they'd put negatives out there, but they'd put negatives of a vegan diet out there. Yeah, of course. Like, it's exactly what the vegan documentaries do. And I totally agree. I think it's fine to, like, go and do your research and learn about whatever you want to learn about. But when it comes to health, it's just listening to your body yes. and professionals. Yeah. And I think, like, what you said is you've got to look at, like, when you look at the information out there, you've got to look at both sides. Mm-hmm. You can't just look at one side. And even when you come back to like your basic scientific principles, mm-hmm. the thing that you always try and do is to disprove your theory. And that's like, if you think back to like high school chemistry mm-hmm. or whatever, it's like, that's what you do when you have a theory, like a hypothesis essentially, is that in order to prove it, you need to try and disprove it. So you need to find the opposite thing mm. and see whether that actually happens. And so that's what you've got to do with like, so if you've got a strong opinion about something, try and like disprove it. Try and mm. show, okay, mm. well, how could this not be true? Mm. And then if you don't have anything to support that, then you can make a conclusion for yourself. Yeah. And do proper research. It's so important. Like so often I see, and it's something that you learn through school and uni is you have to get articles that have been credited by a certain amount of people. And you can't, you know, sometimes people might write there was a study and this is what they found. But that study might have been in another country with five people and it's on someone's blog that has no background in medical research. Yeah. And you just have to make sure that if you are going to rely on research to do it properly. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, I think that's something that's coming out with social media. Everyone's becoming like sciencey, and it's a great thing that people are like sort of now 
respecting the science and everything, but it takes a lot to be able to read like mm. research papers. Like mm-hmm. I would still say I'm still learning mm-hmm. at how to read research papers and I read them every single day. Mm. There's still things I'll read through and I'll be like, oh my God, does that mean that like, is that good? or mm. is that-? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's, it's so confusing. Yeah, because often there are hundreds and hundreds of pages. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, nutrition science ones are not normally that that long. Laws probably. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Before we go back into shopping at the supermarket. Yes. One last diet question. Um, and it was from Melina. Melina Jones. And I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. And you also only said Melina's surname. M- We've Melina. said all the other Melina, first names. Melina, no B. Her name starts with M. <laughs> anyway. I'm curious what all of your opinions are on this no diet topic that everyone seems to steer towards lately. Yeah, so the no diet approach, um, there's like a few different sort of movements within it. It's um, like health at every size and um, anti-diet or no diet. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of different sort of names for the same sort of principles, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And intuitive eating sort of falls a part of that as well. So there's lots of different... Um, levels of no diet but essentially what it is is uh, avoiding dieting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the the principles of dieting and I, d- I do very much believe that um, you know dieting is not the answer for everyone mm-hmm. and it's not something that we should be always on a diet and mm. um, I think that as females as well there's a lot of pressure to be dieting and always thinking about our food and our food choices and everything like that so I think Overall, it's a positive that we're having some voice out there to counter all of the diet industry, yes, like mm. bullshit that is out there. And yeah. so I think we need something, another voice out there. So I think it's ultimately a good thing. Um, there is some obviously extremes of both ends of the story, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately I do think it's a good thing that we have another voice out there that's uh, sort of pushing up against the diet industry and being like, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely not okay yeah I agree as long as it's sustainable that's what it needs to be I think that's the biggest thing because in some ways having a no diet approach might not always be the healthiest because if someone's going to eat you know fast food all day every single day that's also not healthy yes Mm -hmm. yeah and technically that's a no diet approach but it's just about for I think with us with keep it cleaner and for me personally it's just about finding balance and having things in moderation so not you know going and eating extremely high fat 90% fat (laughs) and no carbohydrates or anything but then also not going to the other extreme and having like just finding what works for you yes and for me that's probably eating healthy like 70 or healthy with what are these called I'm doing it funny years no explanation (laughs) points what's it called healthy um Oh. What's it called when quotation you do that? Quotation yeah, marks. Quotation. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you. Quotation marks. Healthy. Um, you know, seventy percent. You know, whole foods and less processed foods, and then thirty percent. You know, whatever, whatever I feel like, and that's a really healthy balance to me, and that's sustainable because I find if I push, you know, more than that, that's when I personally develop a really unhealthy relationship with calories and eating, and then yes. I don't have balance, and it's not sustainable. Yeah, I'm the same, but it's funny because. That is technically a diet. The eighty mm. twenty diet, or whatever we do, thirty and seventy, is still a diet. Yeah. So, I, and that's where you've got to yeah. like, you've got to. What, what's the definition of a diet? Yeah. And like, if it's the diet industry, like bullshit, then yes, yes, like, no diet, absolutely. Of course. But if it's, it's like the quick fix ones, maybe. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the ones that's like eat the, these shakes for four days diet. Like, obviously, I don't think that's. 
and sustainable. Really, yeah, Anything so. that actually affects your life, I think, because for me, I don't have to the same as you, Steph. You don't really think about it. It's yeah. just what you actually do when yeah. at the end of the week you're like, oh, I ate, you know, yeah. mostly healthy this week. But it's different for everyone. There will be yeah. people who are in a position where they generally do have to think really hard mm. and they have to for their health. They could be severely underweight and have to be on a certain diet to get healthy again. Yeah. Or mm. they could be severely overweight. That's actually a really good point as well. Is like, so I am a celiac. Yeah. I have to eat a gluten-free diet. Yeah. That is a diet. Yeah. Mm. Like, I eat a gluten-free diet. Yeah. And that's like if that if we're technically talking no diet like mm. if I did no diet you'd be really I'm screwed. screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's but, all yeah. about balance, finding that. I think finding that balance. Yeah, yeah. and the context. I think of course uh, of yeah what you're using that word and what the definition of that word is. Mm. All right, back into the supermarket shopping because a lot of girls really liked this uh, topic. We had quite a few on you know how to shop. So we've gone over the nutritional panels, the um, packaging, and everything. We've got some questions on avoiding food waste or, you know, prepping for the week and all that sort of stuff. So we've got one uh, from Rihanna who said that she wanted to, um, what to look for when she was planning her shopping. Um, She thought it was easy and then she always found herself wasting food. Um, And then Lucy also asked a similar thing, how she can save a bit of money while grocery shopping, avoiding food waste. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think avoiding food waste is a great way to save money Mm. in itself because if you're Mm. eating all of your food, then you're not wasting, (laughs) you're not throwing money out as well. So Mm. they sort of go hand in hand. Um, I guess with avoiding food waste, you've got to, again, find what works for you because if you're like technically speaking, like meal planning and like being prepared with that is a really great way to avoid mm. food waste. But if you're getting to the end of the week and you're sick of what you're eating and you're throwing it in the bin, mm. then that's actually not helping you as mm. well. Yep. So I think you've got to work with your own strengths here and sort of go, okay, well, you know, meal planning and preparing food in advance or um, at least just planning what you're going to have can be a great way to avoid um, wasting food because you're making use of everything that your resources essentially. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can work out, okay, well, if I'm buying this, then what else can I do with the leftovers or what can I do? You know, I bought a whole thing of spring onions. What am I going to This is my constant struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Buying a bath thing, bunch of spring onions and not knowing what to do Having with Having to just make endless amounts of stir fries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can actually plan and sort of work out, well, okay, I'll have this much left over from that, so mm. what am I going to do with it? So mm. I think planning your meals, not just preparing them, but at least planning them is a really good thing to do in terms of um, avoiding food waste. Mm. Um, what I do is when I do prepare meals in advance is I actually will do, and I don't do meal prepping very often, but when I do, I know that I get sick of my meals. Like after I only do days. it for a couple of days. Yeah. So yeah, remember like, when we're in the office, we're like, oh, this is the third day we've had this this <laughs> yeah. week, but we've made the effort. We have to eat, have it. To eat it. I now. don't really want it, but I will. Yeah. And now I've learned to like, like the other night I made two dinners as in like, I was making dinner and I decided to make a stir fry and a pasta and we had the pasta that night and then the other half was going to be for lunch, which I've got today for my lunch. And then the (laughs) stir fry was for the other lunches. So I at least had that mix there because in the past I've just made like a whole lot of one meal. Chicken with onion and red onion and tomato. I remember that week. What? You made this. It looks really delicious. It's like paprika chicken with red onion tomato oh. what else was in it oh like rice and stuff i think so yeah but i, oh, I, like I a, think you had it for four days yeah. you were like laura i Too can't much. have it yeah. again <laughs> so what i do in that case is like yeah just accept i can only like plan like or prepare a couple of days in advance yeah. or i do what you do and like do so cook once eat twice so like yeah. cook the night and then have leftovers the next day yeah um 
if you don't like eating leftovers, so I found there's like a percentage of the population that mm. just refuse to eat leftovers. Mm. If that's you, then make sure you're only making enough for what you need to eat for mm. that meal. And that's a great way, obviously, to then avoid having leftovers and avoid throwing food out. Um, but the other thing I do is if I'm going to batch cook, you know, five meals is I'll actually cook something that's freezer friendly mm-hmm. and put them in the freezer and then I can just like defrost them in the microwave like yeah. two weeks later when yeah. I have nothing to eat. And I think that's important to remember as well with not even not even when you've cooked the meal but like the raw ingredients themselves, the yes. freezer is so good. Like, yeah. you know, you told me about the spinach thing and that's been great because I always found that I just used to buy the biggest bag of spinach that there was yeah. um, and then I would never even need to use that much of it and before it went all slimy and gross, I'd put it in the freezer and yeah. there would be something for my smoothies. Or did like, I tell you that? Yeah, you did. Did I? I forgot it because really? I haven't been doing that. <laughs> that and zucchini. I freeze zucchini. zucchini yeah. That's, yeah. A good one. that's a good one. So zucchini, like vegetables it's like so that. Funny. I and forgot then... about that <laughs> and I used to do that. I'll get back because I've been throwing spinach out lately, yeah. which is really bad. So yeah. I'll, I'll take my own advice from two good. years ago. <laughs> and then meat, like, you know, sometimes yeah. you might, like if I'm buying, I don't know, a certain type of meat and I just know that we're not going to get through all that, then I'll put some in the freezer and I'll just... Mm-hmm. a week later or whatever, decide to defrost it and make something with it. So it goes without saying for the meals, you don't just have to put them in your in your fridge and make sure you eat them that week. Definitely exactly. what you said. Pop them in the freezer. Them. Yeah. The other thing I used to do when I was at uni is I used to get this um like food box delivery of like fruit and veggies. It was like a like $30 box mm-hmm. of random fruit and veg every single week and it was just the cheapest way for me to get like as much fruit and veg as I could. And we used to know that every like Thursday or whatever it was that the next one was coming – so Wednesday night we would go through the box from the old week mm. and literally make a meal. Like miscellaneous. With, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it was the most random meals and it was typically always like a risotto or like a stir fry or something like that that I would like Chuck get like everything. cabbage, potato, like <laughs> broccoli, like everything that was in there yeah. is just make up the most random meal. And Sometimes that's my favourite way to cook, I know. honestly. Like, I, I mean, I love our recipes, but I remember when we actually had to write down our recipes. I really struggled with it because my main way of cooking is, like, just by throw taste. I just throw it all in. And I'm like, yeah, that tastes good with that. That's probably not what you would pair this with, but it'll do. So that's another thing. If you've got random vegetables, make a yeah. bolognese and just hide them in there. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Like, things like bolognese, curries, <laughs> yeah. risottos, like, yeah. stir fries. Fantastic. Just yeah. use everything that you've got. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to, yeah, just try different ingredients in different things. Mm. And Laura, you've spoken before about when it comes to like saving money, um, like buying things that are in season. Yeah, buy what's season. I think that's a really good way to shop for sure. Mm. And not be afraid of um, like frozen fruit and vegetables Mm. as well. Tell us about that. Yes, tell us about that. This can be the last question. Okay. (laughs) So much pressure on this question. Is it bad, and this is a very common question, to eat frozen vegetables? Do they lose their nutritional content? Yeah. No, absolutely not. So vegetables, when they're frozen, are snap frozen, meaning that they're like really quickly frozen soon, like as fast after uh, picking them Mm. as possible. So they retain all of their nutrients essentially Mm -hmm. and they only lose their nutrients in cooking, just like any other vegetable. vegetable. When you cook it, like particularly when you cook it in water, so like boiling your veggies, the nutrients can leach out into the water. So when in their raw state, frozen vegetables are just as healthy as fresh vegetables. And I actually argue in some circumstances may have more nutrients than the fresh vegetables because you have no idea how long the fresh vegetables have been sitting. And what they've 
been sprayed with. Good and, point. Well, yeah. And like, so for it depends where you live as well. Like, for example, people who live out in like rural Queensland and, you know, New, uh, New South Wales, um, Northern Territory and stuff like that, some of their fruit and vegetables have taken like weeks and weeks and weeks mm. to get to them. Mm. And the ones that are sitting on the shelves of the supermarkets, mm. they might be like a month old. Mm. And so you've got to question like the nutrient content of those fruit and vegetables and compare that to like something that's been snap frozen, it actually might have more nutritional mm. value than what's sitting on the shelf as well. So no, not inherently bad at all. Mm. Definitely Which is good because utilize. they're generally cheaper. They are a lot yeah. cheaper and they're already prepared, mm. especially yeah. beans. I really don't like, because you know how beans are all different lengths? Oh, and, yes. and when you have to chop the ends off and you oh can't God. do it, you just have to do one at a time. It's I just like, eat oh, the ends sometimes yeah. or like break a little yeah. bit off. <laughs> <laughs> so lazy. Um, I know you said that was the last question. Oh, sorry. But I think there's an important one. Um, to shop when you're not hungry. <gasps> yes. yes. Because it's something that I often don't listen to, that rule. Is that a question? It's, well. It's, Should you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I think we all know you shouldn't. Um, because I know myself, if I go to the shops and I'm hungry, I will buy something that I can snack on in the car on the mm, way home. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And another thing that I heard, I can't even remember where I heard it from, it was years ago, was if you say no once at the supermarket, you don't have to say no a thousand times at the cupboard. Oh. So for example, like if you have discipline once when you're shopping at the supermarket to not buy like mm. 20 blocks of chocolate or mm. whatever it is, that <laughs> you're, your, your vice, if you just have the discipline just once to go, okay, like, you know, not this shop. Mm-hmm then you don't have to constantly, like, throughout the entire week, be like, oh, should I eat some, should I not? Mm. It just makes your life so much easier by not having it at home. So that's sort of like a sort of principle that I've used is that if I can just, you know, again, everything in moderation. Yeah, of course. But if you're trying to reduce down your intake of a certain food or something like that, by just saying no at the supermarket once, Mm. you don't have to then battle with yourself at the cupboard or fridge every time you go. Mm. Good one. Nice one to end on. Well, thank you for joining us. We thank you. are going to have you back, talk about a few more topics, one being gut health, which we're very excited to go into with you. And I know you are. You're so into the gut health. <laughs> but so is everyone else. That was probably yes. the biggest topic that everyone sent in questions. So thanks for sending your questions, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Marika. Hope you enjoyed being here with us, Marika. I did. I loved it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. It's time for question of the week. I thought there was going to be a song there. No, I'm not going to sing like you did last week. Okay, I What's got in question? a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sing the, the question. The question is, when are you going to have babies? And that's not directly to me. This no, is, it's both of us. This actually came to you. Yeah, it's so a very, very, very common question. Mm. I get asked it a lot. Same. I'm asking you. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, Are you, you looking go at first. me like you go first? <laughs> um, I, oh my gosh, I think ever since I was like 18, I've been thinking about when should I have babies or when do I want to have babies? Um, and also, it's not funny. that we have to. No, absolutely not. Yes. And you know what? I don't even know if I can yet. Like, you never know yes. until you try. Exactly. Um, if I'm fortunate enough to be able to have a baby and it happens quite easily, I would love... It's funny that the age that I think I might actually end up having a baby is the age that I've always pictured for myself. Which I didn't mean to... What is it? I haven't, like, contrived that. Like, I haven't, like, been like, this is the age that I have to have a baby. But now when I'm sitting here as a 25-year-old thinking ahead, thinking about when I think I'll be ready to try, it's mm-hmm. actually the age that I always thought I would too. So it's Which funny is? how it works out. Oh, my God. I don't know. It's... Well, again, it depends if it happens easily. Yes. If anything else comes in the way, if we, for some reason, change our minds or whatever. But I would love to start trying in the next couple of years. But not now. 
Not now. Okay. We have a, l- a lot of plans. So don't worry. You're looking at me like, hang on, what about all our plans for kick next year? <laughs> don't worry. I won't be pregnant for that. What about you? Have you uh, thought about it? Well, I don't want to be, well, again, if I can get pregnant, yeah. I don't know how fertile I am. I don't want to be pregnant at uni. That's fair enough. Uni's my baby right now. I don't have time for another kid. Yeah, you already have to balance so much. Yeah, that no. Um, but after I finish uni, then... And after we next year we have a lot of travel planned for kick. Mm. So not next year, maybe the year after. Mm. I don't know. It's very. It's a funny question. My age in my diary from when I was younger, I, it was so random. I always had twenty seven as my. Same. I think it's because when my mum had me it was twenty seven. That might be right. That was when my mum had me. Yes, not me, my brother. But oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> like I don't know. I think I've just always thought like yeah, twenty seven. That's the age. But again, like you never know. Yeah, you do never know, you and never I, know. I still actually don't. Like while now I'm sitting here saying I'm sure I feel like you're also well from what everyone I've spoken to that's had a you're baby never you're never ready yeah um but yeah I used to be scared of having a baby when I was older but now I'm not I'm I don't really know me neither but all I know is I'm very plucky <laughs> yeah, that's the are. only thing I do know I know I know that in my mind I don't really mind when I have it but I'm super clucky all my friends I feel like are having babies right now and I love them so much so I know I'm clucky but yeah sorry to not really answer yeah. your question guys <laughs> it's like a loop. <laughs> anyway mm, mm, thank you for sending it in and thank you for listening to this podcast we mm. really really appreciate it thank you to everyone that left a review last week mm. that meant so much to us if you do want to support our podcast what really helps us is subscribing mm-hmm. that helps us get in the chart so thank you to everyone that has done that and if you haven't we would love it <laughs> And remember, you can also find us on Instagram at Keep It Cleaner or Laura.Henshaw or Steph Claire Smith. We will chat to you next week. Wait, I forgot one thing. Oh. We love when you share your Instagram. We, I just want to say thank you for the Instagram yeah, stories. Yeah, the love when is you very, print screen very appreciated. The, the podcast and then you put it on your story. That's really nice. It is really nice. We just like to know you listen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We will chat okay, to you bye. next week. <laughs>